0: You're listening to a Corridor Business Journal podcast.
1: It's time for straight talk about diversity, frank questions, honest answers, and real insights. It's Diversity Straight Up, brought to you by Green State Credit Union, with your hosts, Sadaka Bodka of Nikea Diversity Consulting and Anthony errington of Top Rank Professional and Executive Search Firm. Diversity Straight Up, brought to you by Green State Credit Union, is a Corridor Business Journal podcast. On today's episode, Ray Brown, CEO of ESCO Group. You know, I'm a firm believer that if you, you know,
2: Great beginnings first start with great endings, so I'm really excited to develop, you know, what does that great ending for our DNI charter look like? And then what's that end picture look like? And then how do we go back to the beginning and say these are the strategies that we need to develop? But that accountability piece is huge.
1: We'll be right back.
0: Green State Credit Union is proud to sponsor Diversity Straight Up. Established in 1938, Green State is Iowa's largest financial cooperative, serving nearly 250,000 members of all walks of life. Green State's products include checking accounts, loans, investments, insurance, commercial services, mortgages, and credit cards. Profits are returned to members in the form of better rates on deposits and loans. We encourage you to learn more at greenstate.org. Green State is federally insured by the NCUA and is an equal housing opportunity lender.
1: Diversity Straight Up, brought to you by Green State Credit Union, is also sponsored by Alliant Energy.
0: Welcome to another exciting episode of the Corridor Business Journal's Diversity Straight Up. I'm your co-host, Sadika Bakta.
3: And I'm Anthony Arrington, and we're, we're in for a good show today. Once you to strap your seatbelt on. We're going to have a little fun with uh, Ray Brown from ESCO Group. We'll get into his introduction a little, little later here. But uh, first and foremost, uh, Sarah, because something's on my mind. Something's on my mind. You know, uh, I watched uh, the space shuttle launched yesterday. I don't know. If, did you get a chance to watch that? Oh, Pretty cool. Yes, okay, beautiful. Watch, yeah. Exciting. I like space. I enjoy space. I was a Star Trek, Star Wars. I enjoy it all. But, you know, there's, there's this challenge in me that says, uh, we got this billionaire spending this money. And I'm looking at all these hungry people in the world. And I'm looking at all this hunger and this poverty. And I'm struggling with how that money could be spent. And, I, and this is America. This is a capitalist society. And we should be able to spend our money doing what we want but I struggle with that a little bit. So I, I just wonder what you thought about that. You know, it's one of those things where it's, it's fun. Um, I think it's great, and I, um, but man, that money could be used in so many other ways. And so I, I tend to struggle with that a little bit.
0: Well, thank you for sharing your perspective. I think this is why I love what's on your mind. I never know what's on your mind or what comes out of my mind mm-hmm. sometimes when we do mm-hmm. these topics. <laughs> this one I wasn't expecting at all. Um, First of all, you know me; I don't like to group people together. So even billionaires as a group yeah. wouldn't be fair if we're walking the talk of trying to ensure that people are the individual person. So when you were talking about this incident, you know, um, I was trying to look at um, you know him as a man and mm-hmm. his life's journey. And um, he didn't graduate from high school, it seems uh-huh. like, um, unless if I read it wrong. And he's an entrepreneur. So if I think about from an entrepreneur yeah. and building a life and um, creativity invention innovation is part of that philosophy and as the founder and owner of a you know company that really goes into you know and the skies yeah. i it's not a far reach to you know go from the skies to the space and so for me i think about from that business aspect it makes sense for him in that regard yeah. now you're thinking about the other philanthropic arm right
3: and then yeah and he gives you know they give the they give the philanthropy they they they, they donate. Yes. They, and they, he's they part, part well, of that pledging.
0: You know? He's part of that giving pledge. It yeah. was part of that, um, club, you know, if yeah. you're in that elite club. And so I always think about it as an individual. Um, I don't like, don't like to judge in terms of what they have, what's their purpose, what's their legacy. Mm-hmm. Right. And so just reading up at least for that individual seems as if, um, being part of that giving pledge, um, as well as, um, Philosophy in terms of what do you want to do with that legacy, and it seems like giving back socially and environmentally is part of their philosophy, yeah. the foundation that he has. It has zero percent overhead, yeah. which I think well, is I, beautiful. Coming from a sitting on boards of nonprofits, we have to assess that all the time, right, Ray? We're on the board that well, there is yeah, some assessment, and so this one, because they take care of it with another arm, the foundation, hundred percent giving to the foundation goes out yeah so those are the things that i guess I. there's always a, a money
3: trail somewhere that there's always that but it's money a great here. question it's, that
0: you do pose yeah, and so is. i always think about you know also increasing you know the b corporations right thinking yeah. about you're seeing more companies looking at their corporate social responsibility and more and more you are seeing that as a driver in right. terms of what we can't just rely on the nonprofits and the governments anymore to address the social needs that are glaring in our community. So this is where the businesses have to step up. Yeah. And that is, I think that's where my head is going when I think about your question. Yeah, I was
3: having this conversation with, with Steve Shriver. The, I can't be charitable unless I'm making profit. Yeah. Right? it's people profit. Planet, so. Yeah, no. yeah, good stuff. Thoughts?
2: Yeah, I think Sadika did a great job, uh, Anthony. And I think you got to peel back the onion a little yeah. bit. And you think about, Sir, sure, we see like the... Thrill seeker going there, billions. But then you also look at the innovation and what NASA has been able to do to create all these wonderful products, the things that potentially could feed many, many people. Yeah. You know, but you have to kind of get past that. And and that piece of it's coming that private partnership of really continuing the the NASA mission. Uh, But certainly there's that thrill, thrill seeker thing that I think we all see. Yeah. Um, yeah. But there is, you know, as you go back to that layer, I think there's the next uh, outing they're going to have two uh, seats that go to individuals. Yeah, I think that, they're doing a the sweepstakes or yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. So really create yeah. create, a, create a cause around yeah. that. No, um, let
3: me be clear. I wanted to make sure. And I started reading about him, the, the 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 individual, because I started hearing these things. And and again, I always say this when you hear things in media. I don't care what kind of media it is. If you read about it, you need to go verify it somewhere else. And you read it here or you watch it here. You know, so I started reading up on, on one of the things, some of the things that he's doing, you know, and that's why I said it kind of, it's one of those things that kind of bother me, but I'm thinking this, he's a giving person, you know? And so I just wanted to bring it up. Yeah. And say, what do you, what do you think? So I think it's a great topic. Yeah. I and think then, so yeah, too. Like, I think he's like 70, 70
2: 75. Yeah. And yeah. talk about like the next generation, like the continue to go and give yeah. back and, yeah. You know like yeah the, i heard the new 50 is like the new 30 so hope so the new 75 <laughs> must be <laughs> like the new 50 Sorry, okay, right we, we got that to look forward to yeah
0: <laughs> well on that note thank you so much for bringing yeah. it up because you know yeah. what's on your mind is exactly it is what's going on yep. and uh, being able to engage morning, in dialogue <laughs> yes yes so thank you <laughs> what's on our guest's mind ray brown is the ceo of the esco group Um, he has worked with esco since 1992 and um, he began his career there and since then he is now the ceo Um, he was appointed in 2014 wow that's pretty impressive Mm -hmm. i just have to stop and say 29 years with esco and you started there and this is where you're still at um, but before then, he attended University of Northern Iowa, where he received his Bachelor of Arts in Accounting. While at UNI, Ray was active in the Iowa Society of CPAs and in tax assistance. In 1992, Ray also achieved his certification as an Iowa-certified public accountant. Ray, welcome to our show on DSU, as we're always keeping it real, but welcome.
2: Thank you, Yeah, A little shout out to my uh, fellow Panthers out there, <laughs> the Panthers.
0: Well, um... Why don't you share a little bit about yourself? And the second piggyback question is, uh, what made you say yes to wanting to come on the show here?
2: Yeah, you bet, Sadika. I think uh, really it kind of goes back to my uh, my, uh, my upbringing and uh, not to start uh, too far down in the weeds, but... Uh, That's where we want to go. Yeah. Under the um, hood. The, the <laughs> so the we're, we're here on the uh, southeast side of Cedar Rapids, and uh, I believe I'm probably about a mile from my, uh, my uh, home I grew up in on the southeast side um, attended uh, uh, catholic uh, middle school growing up i went to Grantwood middle school for a couple years uh, and then back to all saints for a couple years had a, a year at regis and then i eventually ended up uh, for three years over at uh, um, cedar rapids washington so my upbringing has been really always around this diverse so the southeast cedar south side of cedar rapids is one of the, uh, probably the most diverse areas in town. And when you look at Cedar Rapids, Washington, you know, I really see that as, you can't have really the have-haves, and then you have a lot of the have-nots, and that uh, really grouping a population, you know, we had to come together as students, and uh, um, certainly that's a big part of uh, what made me today is is just my upbringing. Uh, Certainly youngest of five boys, uh, seen a lot of mistakes my older brothers over <laughs> over the years um and just uh just really sound you know family knew it my my dad uh who was uh you know, uh, worked on at uh, Wilson Foods, Cedar Rapids Meats, uh, probably dating some of the folks that are out oh, there.
3: Grandpa, grandma, we had so, all families. Yeah, there. just <laughs> a big
2: time blue collar background. Um, you know, I had to work my way through uh, school. Uh, shout out to my fellow employee uh, uh, company out there, the Foliants and the Gazette. Actually I had a paper route from like third grade <laughs> through my senior year of high school. Wow. Um, you know, and one of the things that, you know, I kind of reflect on, I think uh, I, I have passion about uh, really uh, giving to our community, sitting on United Way board. We've been talking about DEI here for the past six months. And this thing around the 19th street, that's a big thing and Cedar Rapids. Mm-hmm. And I know Anthony, you know about this is, mm-hmm. you know, if you go west on 19th street, that's not that great of part of town. Well, that's where my paper route was like, you know, I had like 65 very diverse customers and they were some of the best people you'd ever want to get to know. So. That's kind of how I grew up, and uh, a lot of different uh, things through schools. attended University of Northern Iowa, and was blessed to uh, actually meet my uh, current bride, wife Lori. I have two kids. Uh, actually met in high school, so high school sweethearts. And uh, so faith, family have always been super important to me, and just a uh, diverse mm-hmm. background of kind of where I grew up. Uh, you know, graduating, you and I in, uh, in 92, yeah. uh, uh, Engel family, uh, ESCO group uh, started by the Engel, Wayne, Wayne, Wayne Engel, who's, you know, it really that's the second piece that's been hugely impactful on my life is uh, a company started in 1964, um, Dan and Dave were second generation owners. They, their commitment to the community was was always there. I know uh Wayne's a huge, uh, huge Marion supporter. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when they moved their office to Uptown Marion, there's a triple X theater. Uh in Uptown Marion. Wayne decided to buy that theater and he turned it into a dollar family uh movie. Uh, you know, back in gosh, probably thirty-five, forty years ago mm-hmm. now. And that's what Dave and Dan did. They yeah. ran a dollar movie theater that used to be a triple x so like just changing the community and making an impact yeah. making our community where we live work work and thrive has always been a passion of asco and i just try to continue that today
3: you know one of the things you mentioned is you talked about you know you're growing up in cedar rapids and your lived experiences have kind of made you who the person you are growing up in cedar rapids iowa for our listeners can you can you talk about a scenario an incident in your life be it personal or professional as you grew up Maybe there was an incident or a, an activity or something that happened in your life that was a trigger um, that made you think about how you reflect when it comes to equity and diversity and inclusion and engagement. Maybe there's, you know, a, a, an incident, a personal professional that happened. Can you talk to that?
2: Yeah, you bet, Anthony. I think you know, it really kind of goes back to the just the high school experience. You know, uh, you know, I name some name, but Trace Brown. He was a really good friend of mine in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, You know, Trace, I know, know, and uh, no relation. We'd always joke he was a defensive uh, nose guard. I was defensive tackle, like we're brothers from two different mothers. Mm -hmm. But we were out, you know, we would do a lot of things, go to Kenwood, play basketball, um, hang out with a lot of other uh, diverse kids. And, uh, you know, we sometimes would get stopped by, you know, police or uh, adults. And it was amazing how Trace and other folks would get treated differently. And I think it was pretty much a recognition that you know what this this doesn't seem right this isn't right you know and back then you know we're probably young and you know we didn't talk about those things it's just like it was just kind of part of life and I think that's probably the big game changer for me Anthony's been it's like now I'm in a leadership role at ESCO you know we can enact change and you know there's a quote that uh, I learned this last year you know Martin Luther King you know in the end uh, you will not remember your enemies you'll remember your friends who were silent Mm -hmm. and gosh you know what i bet you i was silent about you in high school and growing up and you know and just reflecting back and just saying you know what it's you know we we need to do something different you know and and especially you know uh, companies like esco ceos that are you know mid sized smaller companies um you know we have a really impactful voice that we can bring to this conversation and it's just hard to understand where to get started. Yeah. Um, and, you know, how do you make it safe? How do you create a safe conversation yeah. to get that going?
3: Yeah, I think it's important but- that, you, that, you, that you acknowledge that, you know, that the silence, right? I think many of us have felt that way, you know, and I don't think it's, um, I think it's okay to, to say that and what are we gonna do today, right? Or, we've all made mistakes, we've all had those, those situations. So I think that's a great point.
0: And I think, and that's actually one of Anthony's favorite uh, quotes as is. well. Um, <laughs> he shares that a lot uh, in the sessions and training sessions with clients that we do jointly together. Um, you had asked, what can you do as a leader, right? Yeah. Uh, things like this, right? Yeah. Being able to, again, uh, say that um, as a leader, this is what I have in, in my control and being able to have a dialogue with even us, It shows that you're wanting to create those safe environments um, in the workplace and in the community and at the family dinner table to be able to have these conversations and um, i think that uh, modeling the way as leaders is so critical so speaking of modeling the way um the you signed the ceo action pledge for diversity and inclusion which is a national initiative Uh, the last that i counted we have 17 companies in iowa Mm -hmm. whose ceos have signed this pledge For our listeners, would you mind uh, sharing a little bit about the CEO Action Pledge for D&I?
2: Some of you out there may know, but uh, ESCO Group, we're a 40% employee-owned company. So culture, engagement, um, you know, that's that's what makes our company special. Um, So when you look at the things that we've done over the years in terms of, you know, D&I, the CEO Action is a community. So just like our employee ownership, Um, there's two awesome organizations out there, um, that really create a community where you can go to like-minded companies and just say, you know, what's working, what's not. Um, and that's kind of what CEO action does for, for us. Um, you know, so when we got on this journey, trying to figure out where to start and the first thing that we, we knew is that we had to educate ourselves. So how are we going to educate ourselves? And so the CEO action that was started by, uh, uh, Pricewater Cooper uh, 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 from Tim Ryan, uh, CEO, I think they're called PwC today, uh, but it was uh, 200 other like-minded CEOs. And really the com- commitment is is to sign the pledge. It's, it's really not that complicated. It means, number one, you're going to uh, focus on a diverse, equitable, and inclusive work environment. That's number one. Um, you're actually gonna put together a strategic plan around DE&I, and you're gonna share it with your board of directors and your leadership team. And so the CEO action, I think you had 17, there's actually 2, 000, approximately about 2,000 CEOs that have taken the mm-hmm. pledge, uh, but it's not just for CEOs. Uh, so I know one of the things that our leadership team has really struggled on, because if you look at the makeup of you know ESCO group, construction, engineering, um, 300 plus professionals, come from a wide variety of backgrounds. And a lot of these uh, folks that have come up through the trades, they're some of our key leaders today. So trying to create a conversations around what does it mean to be inclusive? What does diversity mean? I mean, I think at the end of the day, we'll all agree like we will hire the best talented people regardless of you know race, color, and anth- ethnicity. Like we can agree on that. Like we, like, okay, how do we get the conversation going to start creating a strategy around that. So CEO Action is also a community for your leaders, um, your HR professional, to get tapped into. And there's other resources. They'll bring in professionals like uh, yourself, Anthony, uh, in, in in helping you navigate what that looks like. So we're just on the budding end uh, or the the first part of this uh, this journey with the CEO Action. And so part of our strategic plan uh, for 2021 was to sign the pledge, uh, which obviously we've done that. I'm one of 17 in Iowa. I can, we According can, to the we website could, we could that we had that. looked at. We could um, do better than that. I keep an
0: eye out on, the, on that yeah, website. We do. So
2: we do. <laughs> And then our, our strategic plan is, uh, we're gonna develop a uh DE&I equity uh, committee. So they're in the process of working on a charter. Um, so our focus for this year is really on education and being inclusive Uh, work environment. So uh, back in in, uh, the first part of the year, as we kick off um, uh, the new year, we'll really share with our our employees, what does that strategic plan look like? So we shared the CEO action plan. Uh, We actually had a day of understanding. So we we do a monthly town hall where we uh, try to talk about uh, really important issues, what's going on uh, within ESCO, our partners, our community. And uh, so one of those uh, town halls back in, uh, I believe it was February, we did a, uh, just a session on uh, CEO action and being inclusive. Um, and so until our charter is built, and that's kind of the way we focus at uh, ESCO is uh, very much around engagement. So you know, we have an E3 team that's developed on employee engagement. You know, we develop a partnership. Leadership gets behind these, these, these teams and you think about that that pyramid where you know typically the leaders at the top we flip it so you know we we get the leadership behind it, but then we have the employees drive the initiative and that's what we're how we're taking the DEI uh, initiative that's great
3: that's great
0: so from the accountability perspective yeah. how do you think um that will be driven ray as you start to think about your organization, and you're just in the infancy stages of your equity, diversity, inclusion, and engagement. The accountability piece is so crucial, right, for the continued success. Thoughts on that?
2: Yeah, you know, I think the uh, the piece, you know, I have to reflect back on a little bit on our, you know, just our employee engagement journey. You know, we launched our employee engagement, you know, I've been with ESCO 20, 20 now 30 years. You know, when they first got started, they were just giving us advice on, hey, what should the health plan look like? Um, should we do a colonel's night, <laughs> not do a colonel's night? So we actually do metrics. Uh, we do a quarterly uh, assessment around, you know, are you feeling valued? How can the company uh, improve your uh, your skill set in terms of your your role that you provide, the outcomes that you're driving? And so we, uh, the HR director, myself, we, we sit down with the E3 team, we go through what those metrics are and then you know our goal is to develop strategies around improving those so you know i'm a firm believer that if you you know great beginnings first start with great endings so i'm really excited to develop you know what does that great ending for our I charter look like and then what's that end picture look like and then how do we go back to the beginning and say these are the strategies that we need to develop but that accountability piece is huge Sadaka uh, uh, and but measurable and and I think this is the piece that maybe we missed a little bit in that first quarter when we sat down and had the discussion and uh, you know I think a lot of employees were taking a step back and said well why are they talking about this do we have a problem do we not have a problem mm-hmm. and you know I think I I got I think that our message got off a little bit and and maybe I could have done we could have done a better job of really. Uh, developing that vision that, you know, we need to educate ourselves on what it is, what what we want it to yeah. look like. And that's where we're at today. Um, and, and certainly, you know, life, the busyness, you know, just, you know, Esco, like other companies out there, you know, we have got our workforce development challenges. Mm-hmm. And that's why this is so critical though, and is, is you know, if we're gonna go off there the best of the best talent, you know, we have to create an inclusive environment. We have to look like the people that we want to bring into ESCO. And, you know, ESCO's 64. We we're, we're There's probably a lot of stories out there like yeah. ESCO started in, in, you know, back of a, you know, a entrepreneur's a garage. That's <laughs> the old garage story. Yeah, yeah. and you know, now we're, our leaders, you know, they have to be able to, you know, talk with, you know, a plant floor person, a mid-manager, or even a C-suite player and if they don't have that skillset, yeah. um, you know, we're not gonna be successful.
3: One of the things, Ray, that we've experienced as consultants, and, and uh, you hear about it in the media and all over, is this, this fear with, with white men, this syndrome, right, as a, as, a, as a leader, that if we're talking about issues in an organization related to race or culture, that suddenly there's um, this sense of defensiveness, that, that, that some, some, some white leaders, assume oh they must be talking about me uh, i'm not that way and and there's this wall that goes up right and um for fear of being blamed and shamed and and instead have done a very good job of this as we meet with clients it's important to create a safe space but as a leader i wonder how you feel about that you're in that space you're a white male leader of a company that when you're stepping out on a limb having these conversations in an environment where that's not normal maybe there's arrows being thrown at you by way of insults why are we doing this how do you deal with that as a human being how does ray deal with that
2: thick skin anthony <laughs> <laughs> no you know you gotta be vulnerable you know i think if you really want to get better as an organization and as a person um you know the first thing you have to admit is hey i can get better mm-hmm. you know that's one of our core principles core values is get better to be better at esco and Mm -hmm. it doesn't mean that you're doing something wrong or right it's just like hey you know we we have to be continued learners and that also goes with us as human beings um you know you know going through you know high school you know you know washington you know if we knew what we you know if we know now what we knew back then jeez Think about the different things yeah. that would happen. Great point. And so you got to be vulnerable. Um, you know, you have to assume positive intent. We talk about that a lot at ESCO. Um, assume positive intent. You talk about uh, That's why you're smiling.
1: That's I what know? I do. You know, I assume if, the positive yeah. intent yes. versus
0: the impact. Is it coming from a malicious place or is it coming from curiosity? Right. And um, so I appreciate you sharing that.
2: And admit, you're, admit that you're wrong. Yeah. You know, it's like, you know, I got that one wrong. You know, and I think you know. At the same time, you know, sometimes you know you have to get up the bat and swing, swing the ball. You know, if you don't get out of out of the you know, you know, out of batter's box, I mean, how are you going to win? And we play to win at Esco, and so sometimes, you know, you are not going to have everything figured out. And 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 I think that's the other really piece that we talk about a lot is don't make perfect the enemy of good. You know, if we're committed to get better, to be better. And we've got a pretty solid, you know, plan. Maybe it's seventy-five, eighty percent there. You know, let's let's go, yeah. and we're going to be okay to pivot when we need to pivot. Um, sometimes, Great around these important topics. It's a you know, we have a tough time. We're having a tough time to get on the batter's box sometimes because you have to bring back your team. And I think this is a piece where maybe I. You know, could have done something different. Is really have more alignment within our leadership team, Mm -hmm. and uh, and you know, do you have to have all that alignment before you get an important initiative like this? And I, I, I'm taking the the approach that I kind of do anything. I don't think so. I think it's a journey that all of us, and like you know, I seven you know, we have eight-person leadership team including myself and. You know, we have a lot of different perspectives and we, we'll, we'll go down some rabbit holes on some topics. Yeah. Uh, but that's okay. You know, I think in the end, it's the, you know, the diversity of those eight different perspectives and trying yeah. to make a good decision and still stay committed to moving forward Yeah, and, and, you know.
0: Yeah, I think the executive alignment is a key, key aspect of it because I've always said part of this journey requires in your own workplace to have individuals that have an interest around DEI as well as those that have power and influence. Sometimes that individual may have all three, highly light, unlikely at times. Yeah. But that's why it's important to have that executive alignment with leaders that are on board so that they can understand that if you want to get better, That also means that you can't go in with DEI thinking something is broken. Now, if you hit with a lawsuit, now that's a different conversation. Then there is something that needs to be fixed, but it's reactive. For other companies, the majority of the companies, it's going to be a proactive journey, but you have to start now. And then really have that a cultural assessment around DNI conducted to know where you're at. You'll be some of them are going to be pleasantly surprised. I like, guess what you're not in the denial phase or the avoidance phase. You're actually a little, a little further along in the journey than yeah. you thought. And now you're just being very strategic and intentional about where you are. You know, putting your time, energy, yeah. resources. So you have a greater ROI on it. Yeah. That means you know what kind of training you want. You know what kind of leadership development. Yeah. And so I appreciate your thoughts and perspective because a lot of times, again, with DEI, people think there's something broken. That's where we're going on this journey. And I hate that, that kind of mindset just because, you know what, DEI is an opportunity. Yeah. If you really can help get that alignment and go on this journey, that's going to create some magical like, outcomes there.
3: Yeah, you want to feel like something's broken. Well, it's broken here, it's broken everywhere else. Then it's it's not you're no you're no you're no worse off than most other organizations, or better off. It's are we gonna grow? Yep. And you think you said something earlier. Some of us aren't even in the batter's box, and that's okay, right? But if, if everybody's getting there, eventually you're gonna be on first base. Will that next person get to the batter's box? I hope so, right? If, if everybody's willing to move, the problem that we the challenge becomes when people don't want to move and people don't want to grow, and that becomes part of that challenge. So.
0: How do you feel? I know at times we hear leaders say, we in our backyard have such a very homogenous labor pool. There is not much we can do about this. Uh, but from your perspective, how do you think you can influence partners that you may tap into, whether it be labor union or any other groups for contract work, et cetera? How do you think you can influence that, right?
2: Yeah, I think, you know, there's, uh, you know, it's different for, uh, different organizations. So certainly you look at ESCO group, you know, half of our, um, uh, professionals are bargaining professionals, half of them are, are uh, are, uh, uh, non-bargaining. And so there's, there's a lot of things is, you know, you look at the bargaining side, you know, we're involved with the apprenticeship programs. We're involved in recruiting training. Um, you know, we, we partner with the, the union on, Really developing that employee experience for that union individual, and I know in in the Cedar Rapids area, you know, um, you know, like right now it's kind of silly, but you know we have a JTC all that will only take like 100 people because that's the side of it. So that's that's the only the number that we're taking. When the reality is, we could probably be taking 120, 130, you know. So we're in great conversations with that. But there's if you go outside of this area. You know there's a lot more being done um so you look at your organizations that you're involved with certainly on the construction side um there, there's diversity um you know the NECA nat- uh, national uh for us that's association on the electrical side they're really developing some strategies where where companies like esco can tap into uh, but just that workforce um, certainly on the non bargaining side we we recruit from all over the united states we have offices in uh seven different locations you know so when we're looking for you know a project manager you know especially going through this last year with remote uh workforce you know we don't have to have a person being in cedar rapids you know or st louis or indianapolis or you know Louisville, colorado or des moines uh omaha you know we we can really try to recruit globally and we've been doing that for for a while and so you have to you know take a different approach And i think that's maybe an eye-opening thing for a lot of businesses out there that maybe even haven't gone down the DE&I route is when you think about influencing your labor pool is a lot bigger than what just Cedar Rapids offers. Um, certainly it's, this community is very passionate to myself and, and Esco. Uh, but certainly, you know, we as leaders have a bigger expanse. Certainly there's, there's yeah. industries that, that don't manufacturing or, you know, you really need that labor to drive some of that. But for us, um, it it is more of a global uh, recruiting effort from that from that standpoint. Is
3: that helping that the 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 desire, the decision to kind of increase your remote opportunities at Esco? Have, not that you have metrics today, but is it? Do you notice that's happening anecdotally? Have you? Have yeah, you seen I, it? I think I think it is. I think yeah. the thing that we recognize,
2: so. Anthony, is you know you know we had a, a recruiter that would go to job fairs. You know Iowa. You know Iowa State, Purdue. Mm-hmm. You know I actually went out to Colorado. Boulder, you know, and you just have a white, a white, you know, white male, you know, and recruiting and like, and we're trying to promote a, you know, this inclusive environment. So, you know, you know, how, how do you get the diversity people to come up and say hello? I mean, I think at some point, you know, the recruiter is like pulling people out of the hallway, like <laughs> bring them over to the ESCO booth booth. And, you know, so the thing, you know, one of the things that we did, we have really great internship program, um, and talking to the the younger folks um we just had this last year uh, a new group formed women in technology so you know what you know as leaders i think this is probably most but we don't have all the answers but let's let's ask really you know good questions so like you know you go to some of our 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 females that just came in it's like well, why did you choose esco like what should we be doing differently like like first thing maybe you should get a couple female out there at your job fairs and you know so it's like you create this warm and inviting experience you know yeah. and, and those things are kind of like no-brainers when you think about them but it's just like small right. incremental things like that you know, being intentional obviously. yeah yeah
0: yeah yep. okay moving on to another segment of our show is called what's in our listeners mind what's on our listeners minds so i think anthony you've got our listener question yeah. for me today
3: this is jerry from indiana so And again, it's not directed at Ray or anybody. It's just a question we pull out of the hat. So he says, I've been reading and hearing about so many stories around critical race theory and how to teach racism or how to teach about race. Um, As a leader, how do you feel about uh, policies and education and on the history and the facts of race in America in terms of being educated on that? That's from Jerry from Indiana.
2: You know i think jerry from indiana i think is is spot on i think it go, goes back with get better be better and i think that you know you know if, if if we think that we haven't grown up and haven't created some unconscious bias i think we're kind of foolish to think that And i think that's what it's really about is you know how can we how do we can educate ourselves how can we understand you know you know how do, how did we get from you know point a to point d right Um, and then as we've traveled from A to D, you know, what have been our biases or unconscious in that? So how do we educate ourselves? To me, it it goes to the heart of emotional intelligence. You know, you know, we've been talking with leaders for years and years, like, you know, we're trying to connect with other people in our organizations or, and communicate the way they want to be communicated with, you know, as we've step out into our communities, you know, to me, that's not that far of a putt. When you think about understanding, you know different people's per- perspectives. Right. It's like, Anthony, you know, we went to the high school. You know, there's no way that you and I had the same same high school experience because right. we were in two different homes. Right. You know, then you start layering on the other things. With you know, you're black, I'm white. You know, certainly, right. you know, maybe we grew up on the southeast side, but we see things different. We feel things differently. Right. The only way we're gonna solve problems is try to understand you know, what, what it is, let's educate ourselves. And then how do we take a step back and say, these are the things that we can move
3: forward together on. I think Sarah and I were talking about that earlier. You know, how do we deal, how do we deal in a space of of facts? You know, I think we can all agree to disagree on where we're going and how we get there. But uh, can we, can we agree and to be educated and want to learn, right. And to want to grow. And to your point, right. All three of us sitting at this table, um, They've Grown up differently, it doesn't matter how long we've lived in Cedar Rapids together, we all have a different experience. and
0: We need to be mindful of what happened in the past so we can assess what's going on now and be able to look at solutions moving yeah. forward.
2: Uh, you know, one of the things to talk about, you know, pausing, and you know, one of the things that you know we're doing at, at ESCO, we're uh, uh, very proud. 2019 became a uh, uh, Iowa Workforce Development, a uh, great place to work, certified and so part of that uh process is um you have to survey your your employees really raw broad you know are you valued um leadership um engagement you know the whole host of metrics that you looked like look at um uh equity was a small there was like two questions on equity uh but out of that you get your metrics and I, you know we became a certified great place i think we had close to 92 uh, percent uh people Uh, do that. Uh, But a big push out of that is, you know, then we come back and look at our metrics and we do focus groups. So we have three business units. We sat down with employees developing very, um, you know, action plans. I think they put it in two categories, the just do it's and then some more heavy lifting action plans. Mm -hmm. And so we've worked through that. And, you know, this last year, certain DE&I um, inclusion, you know, came on our radar screen. And so from my perspective, I'd love to ask you guys is, we're going down this, you know, certified workplace. It's really about driving, you know, being an the elite employee experience, culture and engagement. It didn't have a big DE&I piece, you know, how do we not lose our people with bringing in that, that maybe that assessment around DE&I, you know, or, you know, are we at the point where we just have to wait for, you know, great places to work to kind of develop a a broader piece around you know some of that focus groups around some of that really important uh, conversations around DEI.
3: Yeah, well, I don't I don't think you have to wait. If I understand what you are asking, is how we've just got out of this this massive assessment and got this great uh, recognition, and how do we go in now to our our organization and say we need to do this DEI assessment? We want to look at it again without people saying, "Oh, I'm, or we're going to lose it." What? Why are we doing that? And I think it really starts with. Understanding why, you know, and, and the, the opportunity, for example, a, a town hall. You said you have a monthly town hall. It's an opportunity to explain before you take that step. Here's why. And then the other part of it is de- depending on how you're assessing an organization, you know, is are you taking a 30-minute assessment that's going to drive your staff bananas? Or, or is it something short and sweet that you can really capture the essence of the information around the, the diversity, equity, inclusion cultural assessment that you want and so there's, there's a lot of combinations but I, I if I were in your shoes I don't know that I would wait um, I think there's ways that you can probably start I don't know what your thoughts are you know
0: great question yeah. and I think we get this um, asked a lot I think for any DEI strategies you mentioned you were going on a strategic plan it's challenging to do one without having a DEI assessment done mm-hmm. because then it's you're That informs where the areas, where are the gaps, where are the opportunities to enhance. And if you feel that that DEI component, it was not in it, then this is a great opportunity to be able to tell your team that it's great that we are on this journey with this. We feel that uh, the DEI is extremely important and it was not as visible in that. So we would like to ensure that it is address. We want you to be seen, felt, and valued. And DEI is not just in a solo silo by itself. And you want to integrate it as part of your cultural transformation. Hence, pausing, assessing, course correcting is part of this journey. And just message it in that way. And that you're valuing it, and you want them to be part of it and taking the time. So I think that um, before you go too far ahead, ensure that you know that this is valuable make it valuable, yeah. make it a priority. You're walking the talk that you are really wanting yeah. to do DEI.
3: Great. So for our listeners, a uh, great, great conversation, great conversation. And for our listeners, if we'd love to keep your questions coming in, info at com. All, right, all
0: right. Now let's go to, did any of you play a ball in high school?
3: We did. We played a little ball. Really? Little ball. You okay. know, I know. How it's fun stuff.
0: All right. Well, I'm going to have you start this segment then. All
3: right. All right. So this segment is, is, is called our Diversity Thumbball, Ray. This is fun. So it's got a great icebreaker. It's got a bunch of questions and comments around diversity. And the way that we play it is I slam Zach in the face and we just go home. I'm just kidding. Actually. <laughs> he hasn't
0: done it yet. Let's so, see if you can. It's about getting
3: better. It's about getting better.
2: You'll so we'll, get
0: Joe's equipment no. before you get my face, and that's called liability. So, the so
2: we'll throw this ball in bloodied, the Get bloodied up a little bit. Yeah. be okay.
3: So for, the, for our listeners, it's like a little soccer ball, and it's got sayings all over the ball. So we'll throw the ball in the air, and wherever your thumb lands left or right, uh, answer the, ask the question and answer it obviously. Pretty simple. All right? All right. So I will start, and I will uh, throw it to you first. Then. All right. I'll throw it to Sarah first. We'll leave you there.
0: what gender roles did you learn about when growing up oh how much time do we have here (laughs) in my household because i don't want to generalize it's a very patriarchal culture i grew up in let's just say my first year in college my dad said there is this guy that we want you to meet for marriage I'm a first-generation college student, so thank you, Dad, for helping with that. (laughs) But yet, the first year of college, he said, marriage. I said, no, education. He said, you can get educated after marriage. I said, no, Dad. This is just one example of quite a few that people get to know over time. Mm -hmm. But that was one gender role that I learned, the value of marriage and the value of education, at least for me, what did that look like? And that was... Kind of lopsided That's um, tough. i did hold off on marriage and i did pursue my education everyone so
3: do your thing good for you
0: yes yes
3: <laughs> all right where are you going
0: we'll go closer here
2: all right uh describe a time when you witnessed a bias or discrimination um
3: you can't use the one you used earlier. No, I
2: won't. (laughs) (laughs) I got a good story. Um, so I think I mentioned we do town halls at ESCO. So, you know, it was probably four or five, six years ago, we we were doing an in-person one and we got, we got done, um, at the end. And, uh, you know, there was a group of leaders that were, that were talking, you know, kind of in our cafeteria area. And, um, and we had one of our, our senior leaders kind of lead in a discussion. I, I was kind of listening in with uh, two other people and they're talking about, you know, some important things. And I just, you know, recognize that there's like three or four uh, ladies, you know, just clean up around, around us. And like actually pushing them out of the way, <laughs> you know, I'm like, I'm like, uh, okay, we're going to pause this conversation and we're going to help, help clean up. And the look I got from my senior leader, I mean, it looked like he's going to, like throw you know a pitchfork through me i'm like really and that was kind of like a oh I'm like you know i grew up being a servant leader and respect is one of our core values at esco and like you know sitting around and and you know there's too many little things like that that mm-hmm. happen organizations you know that um you know probably go on you know you know, unaddressed. Yeah. And I think as we as leaders need to address those, you know, you come to meetings and, you know, the female gets chosen to take the notes, <laughs> you know, is it because they got the best handwriting? I don't think so.
0: Yeah, it's um, some microaggression it's happening some microaggression. in that one right yeah, there.
2: So, yeah. So, you know, that that's something, you know, just, just from ESCO that, you know, and I think it's, you know, the thing that we need to do more of being intentional on is, is, is pausing and mm-hmm. and addressing those things when they pop up in a, yeah. in a
3: professional way. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. good one. Yeah, we we could go all day about microaggressions.
0: Oh and, yeah, those yeah. micro messages yeah. can yeah. create right. big impact.
3: Anthony, all right. Do I still catch like high school?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you, you catch, but I don't know if you throw
3: it, recount a time when you felt sure. like an outsider. Oh my goodness. Oh, where do I start? Um, you know, at uh, when I left johnson elementary so i went to kindergarten through fourth grade i was at a school called johnson elementary in cedar rapids iowa um, and i got asked to go to a school called squaw creek for fifth and sixth grade i remember being pulled into an office um, and being asked that i want to change schools and i didn't really i was told it was expo it was expanding pupil opportunities but it was apparently it was for kids that were smart what i learned later as an adult that that was part of it but the other part is that cedar rapids was trying to desegregate some of the other schools in the communities. They were trying to diversify the schools. So I got bussed out to Squaw Creek. My mom basically said, you're going. So I left Johnson Elementary and and in fifth grade, I left all my friends and started getting bussed out to Squaw Creek Elementary. And I remember being in a class full of fifth and sixth graders and being the only black person in the class. Now, I'm in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, and that was pretty typical. But at Johnson Elementary, it was quite a bit more diverse than it was at Squaw Creek, and so I remember I was a little nervous the first few days just going to school there, just because I just I had never really been the only one in the room at that age, um, and I didn't really know why I was there and why can't I be back at Johnson with all my friends, and so uh, that was probably my one of my first experiences feeling like an outsider. So mm. that's tough. That's tough.
0: Oh well, I hope you enjoyed this segment, Ray, and yeah. we're just wrapping up our show before we do. I want to ask you is there anything that we haven't touched upon that you would like to um, share with our listeners um, as well as um, any advice you may have them to help enhance their equity diversity inclusion and engagement journey
2: yeah just, uh, just a couple of things uh sadika i think uh first and foremost thank you again to uh, yourself and anthony for for i think a lot of times when you sit down and you have conversations like this as leaders i learn more about myself uh doing this and and i'm hopeful that same thing will, will happen here. So uh, big thank you. Um, you know, I think just as leaders, you got to start somewhere. I think it's an important piece just to say, you know, hey, pause, you're, you know, you're running an organization and whether you like it or not, you know, DE and I and inclusion and engagement, those are all things as leaders that we're trying to drive. And so why not have a really great strategy around those things and make you really taking your organization to the to the next level, and if, if you're not addressing those things because uh, you think they're not safe, that's okay. It, there's there's uh, professionals out there. There's there's communities. There's networks uh, to really uh, get started. And then you know, lastly, um, um, really blessed to be uh, myself, Kelly, Mark, Bank will be um, running the 2021 United Way uh, Cabinet campaign this year. And really proud of uh, the things that the United Way is doing around um, really the, the whole DNI discussion. There's a community assessment I think that just closed up yesterday. So really excited to circle back with the United Way leadership team and just see what that assessment brought out. And as community leaders, you know how can we kind of peel back that onion and, and dig a little bit be- deeper in our community. And how, you know how can we connect what we're doing at ESCO and not just from the, our cultural engagement side. But also with our time, talent and treasure, Uh, because at the end of the day, this is a beautiful community. We all live Cedar Rapids area, uh, the surrounding cities. Um, We all have a super vested interest in uh, not just just generation, but, uh, you know, many, many generations to come.
0: Well, thank you, Ray. Yeah. Great uh, advice for anyone anywhere around the world to really help drive your equity, diversity, inclusion, and engagement as a leader and the compound effect it has in the communities that you serve. So thank you so much, Ray, for being here. We really enjoyed you and your perspectives and for opening up and being vulnerable. I think Absolutely. someone once said to me that, Sarika, is hard for leaders to be vulnerable. And I yes. said, let's talk about it. I go, is vulnerable equate into weakness? or is vulnerable equate into authenticity. Yeah. Let's do a sh- perspective shift and look at vulnerability equals authenticity.
3: Yep, looking at yeah. the, you said at the, we were just small talking offline, looking at the glass half empty, here, half full, right? Which one are you gonna look at? Half so, full, baby. Half full, half full, so. <laughs> thank you, thank you, it's been it's been fun. I wanna thanks to our sponsors, uh, our, our major sponsor, Green State Credit Union, along with Alliant Energy and the city of Cedar Rapids and Collins Aerospace. We wanna thank you for your sponsorship and uh, Thank you for your time. And thank you
0: to our listeners. Without you, we would not be able to have this show. So continue to follow us, like us, share your thoughts, perspectives. And as we always say on Diversity Straight Up,
3: keeping it real. Rock on.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you to our listeners, as we wouldn't be here without your support. Help us grow our subscriber base by sharing our show with others.
3: Love this new episode of Diversity Straight Up brought to you by Green State Credit Union. Then head over to the most popular podcast audio platforms to describe, rate, and review us. And check out our other episodes while you're there.
0: Catch us on our next episode, which drops monthly.
3: We'd love to hear from you. Hit us up and send your questions, comments, and suggestions to info at diversitystraightup.com.
0: Remember, wherever you live, work, and play, our backyards are increasingly global. It's not enough to simply be a leader. Be a global leader by leveraging diversity with equity, inclusion, and engagement. And share your journey. This may empower others to be bold change agents. Be courageous, be authentic, be vulnerable.
3: Diversity Straight Up, brought to you by Green State Credit Union.
0: Keeping it real.
1: You've been listening to Diversity Straight Up, brought to you by Green State Credit Union. Additional support provided by Alliant Energy, Collins Aerospace, and the City of Cedar Rapids. For more from the Corridor Business Journal, please visit corridorbusiness.com. This episode was produced by Joe Coffey of Coffee Grande Studios.